On today's episode, Dave interviews writer and 13-time Jeopardy! champion Bob Harris. Bob has written for CSI and Bones. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I, the only thing I can think of... Are we on? Oh, we're on. Great, we're great, good. Well, oh. he just does. Uh, go ahead. You were saying? Oh, is now is this like we recorded? Yeah, we're we started? Oh, this is so it. This is the podcast. This is it. This is you it. Know. This is how we do it right now. All right. Because I know um, uh, I have certain guests where I go, and we're starting, and they go, okay, and they don't really hear it, and mm. then they say something, and they're like, well, obviously, that's not going to be on the show. It's like, no, you started it. You've talked <laughs> it. And we got to go back. Susan Messing right. was, uh, uh, you know Susan? Uh, she's a stand. Not a stand. Okay. She's she's an improviser. Great improviser. Great actor in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And and you know we started it. And I don't think she heard me say. And we're starting. Mm-hmm. And she said some things that we had to keep going back and editing it oh, out wow. because it's like you got to be careful. Okay. You know. But but we're talking about the inside. You know the the, the idea that everybody's got a gay friend. Everybody's got somebody that's injured. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got somebody that that is going mm-hmm. through something. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like why is it that people don't see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is it that people don't see that? It's, mm-hmm. Everyone knows somebody who can't afford the fucking health insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think the only thing I think of is that it's just obviously some sort of very widespread psychological thing that's probably endemic to all humanity that we have these worldviews that we get emotionally invested in, and once we're emotionally invested in an idea, no matter how ludicrous it becomes extremely hard for anyone to convince us otherwise with facts. What has to happen is oh. the emotions have to be changed. And I think this applies to any irrational belief, whether it's, uh, you know, if, if, if you really believe and feel like horoscopes mean something, or you really believe in tarot cards, know, right, then that's part of your worldview, and you're emotionally invested in it. You have your ego wrapped up in it. And for someone to say, well, actually, statistically, this is rubbish, it won't register even though it's objective fact. And I think that the same thing operates politically right. almost everywhere in the world. And that there are, and, 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 and I, would, I would say that it probably works with people on the left as much as it does with people on the right. right. I mean, um, uh, when I started doing this, this, this book project, I kind of had a perception, and it was just a prejudice of mine, that um, people with like really large piles of money at banks, you know, that, that maybe they were exploitative or they weren't cool or whatever. And frankly, I met people following the money trail kind of the whole world of microfinance from the, the billion dollar banks down to the, the, the like dollar a day poor um, that I mean I met a lot of guys who work at like you know talk, and talk to people at Deutsche Bank and mm-hmm. City mm-hmm. and their only concern was trying to figure out okay now how do we use this to actually I mean, we have to be profitable that's part of our charter but how do we use this to actually help the poor how can we do this what models work and and the discussions were they were actually remarkably, like as 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 genuinely, sincerely, as far as I could tell, interested in in helping the poor as, you know, anybody in a soup kitchen. Right. Or, so that was that was a surprise for me. It is. A, it's a matter of looking at these people and saying these are people who have mm-hmm. again looking at it going. You have lives. You have families. Mm-hmm. You, you you know your job is predicated upon the fact that you've got to keep perpetuating your job. Mm-hmm. Your job is all about, you want to keep doing this, you've got to do it well. Mm-hmm. You want to do it well, there are certain things that that you have to do, like the, like the lending at, at the banks and, uh, uh, and how can we make this work. Yes, we have to make a profit, mm-hmm. but also, this is my customer. Mm-hmm. This is a human being who's mm-hmm. got uh, dreams and goals and all those mm-hmm. things, just like anybody else does, and has this ideal, and I am here to help them. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe uh, that is such a liberal slant, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, yeah, you got to make some money, but yeah, you got to make some money, but how nice can you be mm-hmm. in doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's kind of a whole interesting world that people are doing now. It's, you know, the, the buzzword is social enterprise. You know, which is sort of the engineering of for-profit enterprises that do social good, mm-hmm. and because they're for-profit, the, because everybody along the entire chain has an incentive to continue, mm-hmm. then it's much more sustainable than something that is a you know purely not-for-profit thing, where if the funding gets cut off, it just disappears. Right. I mean, like Hull House back in Chicago, where right. we're from. You know, one of the one of the greatest institutions that America's ever had, now largely forgotten, which folded. You know, because it was mismanaged, money dried up, boom, it's gone after you know a hundred years of doing fantastic work but if something is done even if it's for a small profit if uh, uh, everybody has an incentive to be doing the thing that creates the good then it's gonna just keep going I think the problem just happens when when you know somebody's making too much money at it or profiteering or whatever 
There's a guy, uh, anybody listening to this, um, he's not in my book very much, but there's a guy named Paul Pollack, P-O-L-A-K dot com, mm -hmm. who uh, does amazing work in uh, Pakistan and, uh, and now he's, he's working in India where he's finding ways to deliver, uh, you know, he's working on clean water and renewable energy and stuff like that, where he's trying to not just design a really cool product that you can bring into a village that gives them clean water, but he's trying to also develop a means of getting it there, right? Where everybody along the line, the whole supply chain, everybody's making a little bit of profit, so it p villages will just keep getting these things. It's a brilliant idea. It's the idea uh, to to be able to say like, how much profit do I really need? Mm -hmm. How much do I really need? What do I really need to do? And how much do I really need to make? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you look and you go, well, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and I want that. If somebody asked me right now, what do you want? What do you want? Uh -huh. I'm like. I don't want really anything. What do you need? I don't really need mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. I thought one of the interesting things about, I want to just go back to the whole house thing mm -hmm. that you said about that. Because I think it's really interesting. The fact that they're not in, that they're not, I don't want to say in business anymore, mm -hmm. you can call it what you want. It's does not erase the fact that they were, mm -hmm. and does not erase the fact that they were influential, mm -hmm. and not just influential, but inspiring people, mm -hmm. inspiring people. And I look at your book, and a major part of, would you tell me the name of the book in time? Oh, it's the, it's, it's the First International Bob, uh, yeah. First International Bank of Bob. I can actually say the name of my own book, I really can. <laughs> uh, then colon, connecting our worlds, one $25 key loan at a time. So we'll call it the first national book of Bank of Bob. Or just Bank of Bob. Bank of Bob. That's what I call it on my Bank of Bob. So in that book, you were talking about the yes and theory, mm -hmm. which I think is just so awesome because you and I, we were in classes together at the Second City mm -hmm. um, back in the late 80s. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Pleistocene era. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. So we were we were students there, and you went on to a, uh, you went on, oh God, I just. I sold you, out. I went into stand-up. Well, I, I danced with the devil. But the thing is, you, but you. Also, what you learned was really great, and what what you what you got was you learned satire, and and that satire really paid off for you in a major way. That's what I think. That's a major part of your voice because you're one of the first people that I knew that you didn't have a blog, but you had some kind of newsletter or something. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah, a long time ago, I used oh. to write. Uh, uh, like a weekly email newsletter that its peak had, I forget, but thousands and thousands of subscribers. I loved it. I just loved it. And I thought it was really, and again, it's inspiring because you set a tone for a lot, for me, certainly. This is what I said. You set a tone for me to say, this is appropriate behavior when we post something <laughs> online. And, and that appropriate behavior, and it's like, okay, fine. There's a line that you cross where you go, this is satire and this is meanness. And, I, mm -hmm. and you were always very aware of where the satire ended and when you were getting personal. Mm -hmm. Like I remember somebody once getting down on you because you mentioned like how can you expect to get anything out of uh, uh, an organization where uh, one of the the, the the people that are in charge of it are named Delay and Boner mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I think that somebody took offense to that or mm -hmm. something like that. But anyway, I'm going to get back to my original, uh, what got me into this. The idea of yes and, mm -hmm. and how much we pick up from that. The idea that Hull House was there and just because it's not there anymore doesn't mean that all those people weren't inspired mm -hmm. by it. Mm -hmm. The fact that Del Close died, for example, mm -hmm. the fact mm -hmm. that Del died doesn't shut anybody, right. any of us out. Right. And what also is important here is we're picking up, and I, it, what's interesting to me about what you're doing right now is how you put those two things together, how you put improvisation mm -hmm. together with what it is that you're, how you're living your life right now. And it's not how you put it together, it's how you live your life in Yes, that. and became like an abiding philosophy for me. Like if somebody offered me a job and I didn't think I could do it and it looked like a really good challenge, I just sort of, I just, it just, look, Dell for me was more of a human, less, I learned more from him off stage than on stage. Mm -hmm. He gave us all this instruction about scene work and all that. But just, I mean, this was a guy, I'm, I'm 23 years old when I moved to Chicago, right. and I don't know what I want to do. I've got a degree in something I don't care about. And <laughs> which I, was it? What yeah, was electrical it? engineering and applied physics. Look at and, that. Which I have I never, a degree in photojournalism. And we're using them beautifully. <laughs> Aren't beautifully. We? Well, mind you, engineering's changed enough. I mean, this is, my degree was from 1984. Mm -hmm. So the state of the art of electrical engineering in 1984, we had rotary phones in the dorms, okay? Right. So it's, I am now as qualified to do engineering as, you know, 
any, I can plug things in, that's about <laughs> it. And I was a, uh, uh, so I, I show up at uh, this bar in Chicago, and here's this guy who has, I mean, he knows, you know, a lot of really cool people and opened for the Grateful Dead and did light shows, and he's, you know, ran away and joined the circus at one point. He's right. done all these, you know, Fire Eater, he's done all these really cool things. Right. And he was just an example of a guy who lived his life and wasn't going to leave the planet with a massive pile of, you know, gosh, I wish I'd done something, you know, and hadn't lived in a, in a cubicle his whole life. And so it was more that example. And it, it's interesting. I didn't know this until I was writing the book, but and I don't know why Hull House came up, but um, it, it, the, this whole notion of agreement as a default means of communicating and right. of making choices, it actually comes out of Hull House and their work to integrate uh, uh, the immigrant communities in Chicago. Right. Um, and uh, Viola Spolin's theater games come directly out of that, and Isn't from that, that comes Dell, and from that comes us. Right. So the whole original purpose of Yes Anding was to help people from different parts of the world come together and, and live together uh, and communicate. And it wasn't about comedy at all. It was about creating a, a, a social fabric. It right. was about that kind of thing. And I didn't know that, and uh, so I take this yes and thing, and I wind up doing a bunch of weird stuff. I worked on a telenovela in Mexico for a while, mm -hmm. and so I start this project, um, which involves a lot of travel to countries I never thought I was going to go. Right. Where? How many countries? Uh, do you know? I don't even know. It's a couple dozen. Uh -huh. I haven't sat in. I should. I should know the answer to that. It's early in my. You're going process. to be asked that question. I am going to be, asked, going that to be question. asked that question. Yeah. Wait, the book comes out when? Uh, the book comes out uh, March. Okay, early great. March. Keep going. Um, and. Uh, but, you know, for anybody who's interested, for the book I went to, let's see, I, I'm, I'm curious myself. I was in uh, Peru, Bosnia, Morocco, uh, Poland, um, Poland didn't make it into the book. Uh, Rwanda. Let's see, Kenya, Rwanda, I mean, Tanzania. Mm -hmm. I was in the United Arab Emirates, early mm -hmm. part of the book. I'm in the UK and I'm in France. Mm -hmm. India, Nepal, uh, Lebanon, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, the Philippines. Fiji's in the book. Uh, I don't know how many is that. It's, that's uh, it was 90. Some travel. That's yeah. 90. And Nicaragua after the book was finished and uh -huh. it didn't make it into the book. So. Mm -hmm. um, and in all of that, what's required constantly is me to go meet complete total strangers from allegedly different cultures, different languages, different hats, different right, religions. Right, right, And get in the car and just go along with and yes and everything that happens we're eating goat brochette tonight yes right. and well the you fact the, the, that yogurt that you ate that, that, <laughs> that the, charcoal flavor the charcoal flavor yogurt yeah. that you ate like how interesting that was but all that stuff that you're saying right there because I think a lot of uh, what I hear I just talked to somebody that was a, a college student in in uh, we'll say in Utah because that's where it was a college student in Utah and he said, and he said I'm done being in Utah and he said I don't know what to do and I said what do you want to do what do you want to do because the only thing that is stopping you from doing what it is that you want to do is you and also the idea that you Bob never knew that you were going to be doing this and your yesing all of that brought you to that and what also happens is you are talking to me about it and you're making me, you're expanding mm -hmm. my mind because I'm looking at that, not just the idea of if I want to go to all those places, that's one way to do it, but the idea of um, how, how uh, uh, Jane Addams Hull House started uh, started the, the, the social work, if you want, mm -hmm. the world of social working, and the world of social working in Chicago, and then Viola Spolin came over, and Paul Sills, you know, her son came over, and then they went to the University of Chicago, mm -hmm. and all that stuff that happened just kind of like takes you mm -hmm. to the corners of the earth mm -hmm. and makes me, and it also there was something that you were saying um, that was really just so intriguing to me was the idea that. Um, there in kiva.org, right? Kiva.org, kiva yeah. there are ways of microfinancing for education, mm -hmm. but the fact is, it's all about education. Yeah, all Anytime education. you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with an ed with education, mm -hmm. because these are parents who are having their mm -hmm. children, and these children need to be nurtured, and the way to nurture them is mm -hmm. um, making their lives better. Yeah. And how do we make their lives better? Mm -hmm. And and and. I, I never this, one, met one parent anywhere I went who wasn't working their butt off in order to try to get their kids a better education. Right. 100% of the time, all of those countries I mentioned. And, and what, if there's anything people, somebody walks away from my book with or from talking with me with, 
it's not so much about microfinance per se, although that's certainly what you know the the, the MacGuffin of the book. Right. Uh, and there's a lot about that subject in the book, certainly. But more than anything, it's really just that the that working people all over the world. I, it's so, I kept meeting my parents every single place that's, I went. You know, oh my God, that, my own that, parents. I I I I know you're gonna you have another you have, you have a further point on that. But what got me about that was you kept bringing your your mom and your dad and your grandparents mm -hmm. and your family into this because it is we are all connected in that way and when we look at somebody in another country mm -hmm. the only difference between us and them is they're in another country mm -hmm. they're going through the same shit that we're going through and we're all going through that same stuff so when we give ourselves the permission to say we're all connected in some way your 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 um uh, the way that you described the Hutus and Tutsis and how that happened mm -hmm. how that became mm -hmm. those two it's it's just so fucking random and fucked up mm -hmm. that the British government is, do I get this right? No, it was the Belgians. The Belgians, oh, pardon yeah. me. Right, the Belgians, yeah. those troublemakers. Yeah. Chocolate no, and no, that. Nobody thinks of the Belgians as being like really all, like these horrible colonial people. We think of, you know, chocolate and lingerie and exactly. waffles and french fries. Well, it's fries. the same thing we think about with, with, with the Dutch. It's uh -huh. like, look at them, they got wooden uh -huh. shoes and all that. Yeah. But you know, they're responsible for a lot of the slavery that we have nowadays. Yeah, there's a, uh, uh, all the European colonial powers basically viewed the world as, as theirs to carve up. Right. And uh, Belgium got uh, actually the, the you know the, the the Belgian Congo as it was called was actually the personal property of Leopold II and uh, one of the great genocides in human history certainly ranking up there with the Holocaust actually happened in the years after he got possession of mm -hmm. it and and they are still recovering from it right it, it, the the uh, but what's interesting is. And yet the future is still happening the same way there in some ways. What, what the takeaway from the Rwanda chapter was I, I wanted to see Rwanda, uh, you know, geez, in this context, is my little $25 making any difference here? So the concept you know. is that you made, you made, a, a, just, just to give people this overview of your MacGuffin of the book, mm -hmm. so you made, uh, you are working for Forbes, I was magazine. Working, Forbes Traveler. Yeah. Yeah, Forbes, Traveler. Forbes Traveler. And Forbes Traveler took you all over these places and yeah. they took you to Dubai, yeah. right, for example. Yeah. And in Dubai, you were starting to look at some of the people that were working there yeah. while yeah. you were writing these articles about being, you know, in the lap of luxury. Right. Unbelievable. The civet coffee, you know, drinking coffee that was, yeah. um, the coffee beans that were eaten by a civet and then pooped out and then it was drained out, right? Yeah. And all that, um, I got so excited about that because you know, it's really <laughs> ridiculous. And I'm and, going to be asked about civic coffee in every single interview I ever do oh because it's God. such a memorable image. I mean, when do you when do you get to drink you know cat poop? You cat know? poop. Right. Oh my God! But yeah. all that, like you were looking at those things, and you looked beyond what it was that you were doing. You looked beyond the comfort of that. And I don't mean to say the comfort mm -hmm. of that because everybody has their own levels of comfort. But you mm -hmm. looked beyond that which you were doing, and you looked at people, and you saw somebody, and you're like, "What is like? That's mm -hmm. a person over yeah. there, and they're making six dollars a day, right? Yeah, roughly, Working yeah. seven days yeah. a week. Yeah." Yeah, six. It, it depends on who they're working for and all right. that. But yeah, the basic working conditions is you know ten to twelve hours a day, uh, six to seven days a week, sometimes mm -hmm. longer hours. Uh, some of the guys were even being deprived of food and water during daylight hours because it was Ramadan. Right. In 105, 110 degree heat. Right. With a heat index because it's humid there because you're right on the Gulf, so it's like 115 during the day. It's just it's crazy. It's inhuman. Right. And I mean these guys, uh, there are like two bodies shipped home a day to Nepal of guys who died from heat exhaustion. Oh my God. Okay, and that's just, you know, to Nepal. These guys are literally dropping. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I thank you for, you know, what you said, but how do you step out of your hotel and feel that the heat hits you like a big, hot, wet oven mitt? It right. just thwap all right. over you. Right. There's no escaping it. Right. And then you look, and, and, and in every direction, you can hear the machinery. You can see the stuff being built. And if you just glance, you see these guys working, and they look, freakishly tired they just they look like slaves right and how do you not see that how how does I, 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 I there's a lot of stuff I cut out of the book where I, I I actually spent time watching other Westerners trying to see where they put their eyes you know and somehow we get very good at sort of like putting on blinders you right. know and just not seeing right and that's actually 
it, it's funny. It's easy to do in your own hometown. I, I've noticed it since I came back. Um, it's easy for me to walk past a homeless guy in the street in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm not a different or transformed person. I don't want to pretend that. I try to be better, but it's easy to, because it's like an environment with a habit and you, you, you're used to it, and you kind of have a sense of what options he has available to him, whatever. Right. I think why it got to me in Dubai is because I was taken completely out of my comfort zone into a, into a different environment where you're just open to everything and you have your eyes open just to see the world like a child. Right. And you're seeing things new. Well, that, again, that goes back to uh, the, an improvisational mm -hmm. point of view, like to look at things from the eyes of a child, to be able mm -hmm. to go, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see mm -hmm. this as I've never seen it mm -hmm. before. Like mm -hmm. every time you're in a scene, to see it as if you've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the world in that way, Way. Um, we're, we're, we're shocked, we're surprised, mm -hmm. we're motivated, we're educated, mm -hmm. we're moved, we're all those things. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think we were talking earlier about you know, living with blinders on, blinkers or blinders, and, and living in your own head. Mm -hmm. And what you did was you transcended that to mm -hmm. look at all those things. So yeah, walking down a street in LA mm -hmm. and you know, looking at somebody's situation and going, mm -hmm. and not having that knee-jerk reaction of, listen, you can work. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you fucking working? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what got me about another thing that got that got me. Well, aside from the fact that when you, <coughs> pardon me, when you looked at people like that woman does the same thing that my mother would do. Yeah, that yeah. guy, his existence, the, certainly the beginning of the book, his existence is exactly the existence that you know it parallels the existence mm -hmm. that my father had. Mm -hmm. But another thing that you kept saying, in at least in uh, <clears throat> halfway through the book, um, is was. Um, how do you live your life? How come you're not angry? Or how, yeah. come you, how yeah. do you how do you have another day? Yeah, yeah. I how met so many people. Day? People who've been through genocides and survived. People who've mm -hmm. been through things that you know I can't even begin to comprehend the level of stress that they must have been right. under. And I, I would just have to wonder often, like, how do you? How are you not insane? I asked that question just verbally, <laughs> know, right? like almost exactly those words right. um, in Bosnia, where people in, from the siege of Sarajevo had been survivors, uh, where or Rwanda and Rwanda, and that, Cambodia, you know, just going to, and, killing and your, fields, and your your bishop sending you off to this place where uh -huh. thousands and thousands, how many yeah. thousands? I don't remember the exact statistics. It was that you're you're talking about uh, 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 right? Exactly. A, yeah. Right, uh, and then they were sent to um, I'm trying to remember the name of the place next to it. It's slipping my mind at the moment, but yeah, there was, I think it was uh, in Rama. Were um, yeah, everybody basically. There was thousands of people there, and like 15 and you look at somebody survivors. like, how do you live your life like that? Yeah, the fact that you're you... talking about you're just coming down an elevator, and there's a guy dapper looking and wearing yeah. a suit and everything like that, and it's like everything's fine except he's got this two inch gash going from the side of his head. It was like his whole yeah, the whole side of his my head. Hand. It's like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And then we look at it, and certainly talking to people here who are, um, oh my God, I waited so long for that audition. Yeah. I cannot even tell oh, you. Dude. It's like, dude, when I came back, I gotta tell you, this is, the, okay, so I, I'm, I'm coming back in uh, the summer of, uh, of 2010. I'm just coming back from Bosnia. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back to the US. I'm, I'm uh, doing my niece's wedding in, uh, in, uh, in What are you in, in doing Ohio. it? Like you got I was like, thank officiating, you to the... officiating. Okay. I, was, uh -huh. I, was, I actually got to, had the marrying stick, got to pronounce them husband and wife. Uh-huh. Um, had to become, uh, because Ohio law doesn't, isn't like California, I actually had to become clergy in Ohio. You so couldn't just I, do the, uh, the, the uh, what's it called, the, the uh, that church that... Oh, the Universal yeah, Life Monastery. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you couldn't do that. Uh, no. I, well, actually, that is what I wound up doing, but okay. I had to get certified by the Secretary of State. Okay. <laughs> so I went down to the Columbus, so with a, this is a bit of a digression, but I went down to the, uh, I had to drive down to Columbus, I put on a suit, I cut my hair real short, acted really officious, walked in with my Universal Life Monastery credentials, right. and just acted like, like if they didn't go ahead and certify me that I was gonna, you know, get, make trouble, and the, the the poor old guy behind the desk kind of like backed down, and he went ahead and he gave me the credentials, and so I have a framed certificate from the Secretary of State of Ohio. Now I am clergy in Ohio, like the real thing. Are you? Are you the Reverend Bob Harris? I am. Or? I I think um I think most Reverend. I think I, that's what I took. I think I took the I think I took the most Reverend David Rosowski. Yeah, uh, the yeah. most Reverend. Because it's like why would anybody want anything under that? Uh -huh. You know, it's like so. Anyway, you're yeah, saying yeah. so you came back. So from I was Boston. coming back. Yeah, I was, so I just come back from Boston. Bosnia, where it, it, uh, I met people who, you know, they, they, they'd, been, they'd lost everything during the war. They'd right. either lived as refugees or they'd right. been through the siege. Um, one of my translators, who is a dear friend now, a beautiful woman named Isla, who's, I just, we're Facebook friends, we're, we, I, I, so, I just adore this woman. 
Um, I, I, was, I just really hope her last name is Lucy. <laughs> that actually almost sounds like an Eastern European I name. Love it should. Lucy. Lucy would I be like the perfect last name. Uh, I'll ask her to change it. It's actually something I can barely pronounce. It's this I, I, long have you Eastern never thought European. about that? No, it never even crossed my mind. It never even, see, that's why you're the comedian. That's, that's why you do the improv comedy and I go out to Bosnia. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, I love Lucy. Uh -huh. So I've, I've just come back from hanging with her, and when she was um, nine years old and she has my she's given me permission to tell this story, mm -hmm. um, she uh, had a, has an older brother, and uh, during the siege, uh, you couldn't go outside, even going to get water from the well, you were risking your life. Right. Because um, there were snipers in the hills who would try to shoot, or mm -hmm. they would lob artillery shells down. And one day there'd been a bit of a lull in the, in, in, in the, in the siege, and both of her parents went out for water the same right. day. Right. And there was an explosion in the distance, and she and her, son, she and her, her brother... This is in the story. This, this is, is in the book. In the book yeah, uh -huh, right. That their presumption was that their parents had just been killed. Right. And so they just looked at each other. In that moment, their presumption at that yeah, moment was. Yeah, just, right. okay, now, let's see, I can cook, and you can... And they're just trying to figure out how they're going to live. And at she's that nine. moment. She's right. nine. Yeah. And this is a thought that she'd had. She's and, nine. Yeah. I'm sorry, I keep yeah. going back yeah. to that. I just want people to hear that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is the way she... Her formative years, you know... But the punchline is what? Well, so... I, I mean, the punchline is that... Oh, well... Uh, that her... Are you getting to that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I, I'm right, on my go. way. Anyway, so so I met her, and and uh, so she's got this story, and everybody's been through shelling, and they, everybody had mm -hmm. relatives who'd been killed, whatever. So I get back to Ohio. I, I'm going to do my niece's wedding. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Mm. I just want to make sure that people know her parents were fine. Oh yes, yes. Her parents That's were what fine. I'm, I'm getting to her that. Parents point. Were fine. Right. Yes, her parents yes. were fine. Turned so out. So she she yeah. she had all that going on. Like in that yeah. moment, she and her brother yeah. are out there. Yeah. They're walking. They have that one day. They think that there's a respite. They're able yeah. to get that. They watch this explosion go off, mm -hmm. and at that moment they're like so uh isla what can you do i can cook and the other gets like that yeah, and then yeah. at that moment that's what they went to and their parents were fine but mm -hmm. they're the experience of that mm -hmm. i'm sorry to, to hijack that or just kind of bring it back to track the 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 idea that they were just so matter of fact mm -hmm. about their mm -hmm. parents being killed and they weren't mm -hmm. just death was was a daily thing it was exactly. a daily thing and, anybody and, could go and at they're any nine. time and they're nine yeah and so everybody anyway. i met had been through this right I, the whole place right. um and and it somehow found ways to cope and deal with it and whatever, um, partly through the efforts of some of the people that I met uh, who work at the uh, a group there called Women for Women who mm -hmm. do amazing work, and that's all in the book. So I come back, and after meeting these people and hanging out with them, and, 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 and everyone was so lovely and generous. I, had, I drank more coffee sitting on people's porches and sitting in their living rooms, mm -hmm. and everyone opened their doors. And it wasn't just Bosnian Muslims. It was, it was, it was, it was Croats. It was everybody I met. Right. And... Um, so I get back to Ohio, and uh, and this isn't in the book. And I I I in the hotel in in Cleveland. I turn on the TV, and LeBron James has just uh, announced that he's going to go to Miami and go right. play for the Heat. And there are riots in Cleveland. People are burning the uniform of LeBron James in the street, and a grown man is screaming on television in Cleveland. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like. Dude, oh, I just came from Bosnia. Right. Fuck you. Right, right, right. Fuck you in the face. Right. I'm sorry. Right. No, that right. is not that bad. Your favorite basketball player still plays basketball, just not for your team. I'm sorry. I it just it made me so angry. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. And and how do you how what this is a grown man. You know, after dealing with this nine-year-old girl who's just gone, oh, by the way, I think my, uh, I think our parents are just killed. To that guy going, oh my God, this guy changed. He's, he's essentially putting on a different shirt. Yeah, yeah, he's you know? changing his laundry. He's changing, as, as, he's, as changing. he's putting on a different yeah. shirt. So yeah. in that way, now how do you, how, how does Juan know? You don't know this. You who the fuck knows that? But the idea of there are so many things in this world that we look at and we make it the biggest fucking deal in the mm -hmm. world, mm -hmm. and it's not. Mm -hmm. And, but here's another thing about that is, what is the biggest deal in the world? Mm -hmm. There is no biggest deal in the world. It's whatever you decide to make it. Mm -hmm. And essentially, your book is about, you know what I want to do? I want to, I, I want to, uh, uh, I need a new wrench. Mm -hmm. And I've got to get some money to get a new wrench. And, or it's somebody saying, let's get, uh, let's make sure that, that you can get some more, uh, another cow. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what the microfinancing is all about, mm -hmm. like that sort of thing. And I'm just so intrigued by the human spirit mm -hmm. that says, that's what I want to do. That, just that, mm -hmm. just that. Well, uh, as the, uh, the high most reverend uh, from Ohio, <laughs> let me share the meaning of life with you, my son. 
Um, I, 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 look, I don't know if this is the meaning of life for anybody else, but honestly, I think for me, I, somewhere along the line in this process, and some of it happened in Dubai while I was trying to sort some stuff out, um, there is something that seems to be a fairly, fairly powerful abiding rule about what gives life meaning and what makes the cow significant, what makes getting the wrench significant and all of that. And it's simply that when our goals, when our work, and the things that we truly love most, usually our families and the people around us, when those two are intertwined deeply, when our work serves our love, mm -hmm. every moment spent that way has profound meaning. Mm -hmm. And every moment that doesn't, doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a, and I've noticed it since I had this thought the first time, it's almost like a binary light, like a, like a light switch, just up and down. Moments that have meaning and moments that don't. If I, and, and you can tell when the switch is on and you can tell when it's not. Right. And so the guys in Kenya who are financing, taking what they call cow loans, mm -hmm. which is this brilliant scheme that actually allows people to finance the purchase of cattle. You pay off the cattle like we would a car, right. and then you can sell the dairy uh, uh, as a result at profit, and it actually is building wealth all over Western is, Kenya. Is that, is that Grace? Grace is the cow, yeah. Uh, Grace right is the cow. About, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, a, a wonderful Guernsey um, that uh, produces more milk than they would be able to produce otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so this family is going to have extra money to what are they going to use the money for? Well, they're going to, they, have a, they have a new baby they have to, to care for, so they're going to put a better roof on the house, they're right. going to get the kid fed, they're going to get the kid educated. Right. So the, 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 the work that they're doing, the dairy cow and all the funding and everything, it's about the love for their kid. Right. And that's what gave my dad, dad's life meaning, that's what gave meaning to the lives of every single person I met in every single country I've been to. Right. And nothing else mattered. You know, ultimately, you know, a soccer game or something like that—that's that's all fun and whatever. Um, but, uh, but, but that's the stuff that, that seems to really be what gives life meaning. And I think, to if I can get grandiose here, to a certain extent, um, you know, this work for me has been very meaningful because I'm writing about something that right. is sharing that message. Right. right? And I have to tell you, I live in some dread of what do I do after this because I don't think I'll ever come up with anything as meaningful to me work-wise. And I don't know, I think I'm a little spoiled by doing this. The people that I've met while doing this, the people at the lending institutions who spend their days uh, helping people build their small businesses right. so they can take care of their children, their lives, they, they just, the peace that these people have with themselves is something so alien to Hollywood culture. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, honestly, I may be ruined. I might be able to work in Hollywood again. You know, <laughs> I, may, I may have ruined myself. Do here. you want to? It's and I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I don't, that came out a lot more pejorative than I wanted to. But do you want to? Um, it's it's funny. It, there's it, I don't know. I right. wrestle with it. I'm trying to figure that out right now. Mm -hmm. I like writing television. I, right. You know, I, I enjoy the process. I like oh. performing. I, I I like it. But are you still doing stand up at all? I've been stand up in a long, long time. Uh -huh. um, but you're still writing. I still write. I'm still. Mm -hmm. You know, I I I, I give uh, talks and stuff at colleges sometimes where I. I, I show the slides from you know traveling and I make people laugh. It's kind of like stand up, right. I, you know, and then you know talk about this stuff and maybe my life will become some weird hybrid performing career. I don't know what the oh, hell I I'm understand. Do. I totally understand. It's the, because when I was reading your book, I was thinking all those things, all those other books that you have written that mm -hmm. got you to this, all those <laughs> other books that you've written that evolved you up to this mm -hmm. point, if I may, um, that brought you to this book. Do you look at the book, um, uh, um, what's the Trebekistan? Prisoner of Trebekistan. Prisoner of Trebekistan. Yeah. You know, the fact that, uh, uh, of, of, of that book. And to look at that mm -hmm. book and to look at this book, mm -hmm. what, what's, what's the common denominator there? Oh, it's a linear sequel, if yeah. you ask me. Because right. Prisoner of Trebekistan is, they, they don't look like a book about microfinance would come out of Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. But what that book was basically about um, isn't so much about the show Jeopardy as anyone who you know, reads it quickly realizes. Is it's more that I went in the front door of that show expecting to win fabulous cash and prizes, right? And did, but I went out the back door at the far end, and the best prizes I'd won were the people I met, the friends that I made on the stage, because right. you bond like air crash disaster victim, you know, people on a mountain somewhere. You're under such stress. Mm -hmm. A lot of my dearest friends are fellow Jeopardy players, mm -hmm. um, and more than anything else, uh, just the. In the studying for the show, and I did study, and yes, you can study, um, I wound up developing a love and a curiosity for a million things I never would have expected to love. Right. Shakespeare and architecture and all that stuff that, yeah, my degree is electrical engineering. I right. never studied any of that stuff. And 
it's fabulous. And, and, and so like whole worlds opened up for me. You were saying before that I'm saying something and your mind is expanding right. and vice versa. Right. And so here I had months to study because I got all, all the way to the Tournament of Champions and then there was a million dollar Masters tournament. And there mm-hmm. were all these big tournaments where I had six months to study. So I had these periods of time in my life where I had a good reason to do nothing but just broaden my horizons and right. read and do you know, anything I wanted to. It was fantastic. <sighs> and so by the end of the book, um, I'm sort of you know, traveling to places that I would never have imagined I would ever go or feel curious about and starting to see deeper connections between our cultures and between people and, and realizing how much of even the words that come out of my mouth are just you know, exactly the same. Like 40% of English is Latin. Mm-hmm. And so like you want to learn 2,000 words of Spanish, French, Italian, and every other Latin language <laughs> at once. Everything that ends in ION in English pretty much, transportacion, right. is a cognate in all these Latin languages, almost right. always feminine gender. And with uh, determinacion and circumlocution, you can, you can actually, even if you don't speak the languages, you, if you just know that and with a little bit of cleverness, you can actually find your, your ability to communicate and, mm-hmm. and, and read a lot. Um, just a curiosity about all of that stuff. And then where does that curiosity lead to? Inevitably to the lives of the people who live, live in, in, in these If you look back, if you're going countries. backwards to that, yeah. or connecting yeah. Out, yeah. outwardly yeah. Yeah. to all that. And then so then that, the direct thing is, you know, get involved and learn more about the lives of the people themselves. And that's this book. And, but, and, and it also has to do with, because I'm reading your book, and your book is inspiring me in ways that I perform that on stage, I have that information with me, I'm able to glean all that, and suddenly your book becomes part of my life, mm-hmm. and your book becomes my life, and, and, and my life is then projected on stage in fictional characters, mm-hmm. um, and not only that, but, but it's also the fact that I teach so much, mm-hmm. and uh, I teach so much, I perform so much, and all that stuff is just being spread out, and it goes... It also goes back to the idea of how lucky we are yeah. to live in this place at this time. Yeah, yeah. And and um, and and when I say this place at that t- at this time, I mean in this culture at this time. I mean in this city at this time. Um, and certainly in this city at this time, mm-hmm. because this city will let you, Los Angeles, will let you be who it is that you want to be. If you want to bring in the pressure that I have to do this, or I've got to do that, or I'm supposed to do this, or, you know, pardon me, I'm in LA and I better make something of myself. What you end, the healthiest people that I know, discard that mm-hmm. meme as soon as they can. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they discard that meme as soon as they realize it. That light goes off and they go, wait a minute, I am here to be me. Mm-hmm. And those people that are successful are the people that are them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Live your damn life. Live your damn life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and your book is also about every one of those people in that book living their damn life mm-hmm. in their niche with their needs being met with the help mm-hmm. of and not a handout. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about the book is this book is not about handouts. Mm-hmm. It's about loans. And when you look at it in that way, you can't help but have the feeling of I'm going to pay this forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the thing about um, uh, uh, living your damn life, the, the sort of, the, the thing is, I've met people who in Lebanon or in mm-hmm. the, whose lives actually have very clearly, objectively, just deeper meaning than the lives of some very powerful multimillionaires here in Los Angeles whose names people would recognize. Right. Because they are living their damn lives. They're right. not make, making themselves into things that are test marketed and what they want to be, and they don't even know who they are after a while. And, and you know, great art never comes out of marketing and never comes out of, 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 of you know, focus groups. And, you know, it's, it's funny, we're sitting here, uh, I don't want to give away your location too give much, away but location. we're, we're, we're not far from Paramount. We're two blocks away. You know, would The Godfather get made today? Right. Would it ever... The conversation, mil- any of those things. Any that of were, the great right. films. I mean, the, 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 every, if you look at all of the top ten lists of all the great films that have ever mm-hmm. made, Citizen Kane or any of these, would any of these get made today? Right. Maybe it's possible, you know, I mean, so you can compare some directors like Tarantino and stuff are doing, you know, work that, 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 you know, ranks. But generally speaking, if it doesn't involve a comic book character and things blowing up right. and, you know, all of that, it's, it's a different thing. And, and 
to get back to uh, a certain degree of authenticity, um, people just living where, and, and I don't want to get into a noble savage mythology because there's there's a, a really common that's dangerous a, that's idea. That's a major part of your book right yeah. there, of, of to make these people, for me, I, I look at them and it's like, these are real human beings yeah, yeah. who are flawed yeah. and, as we are. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, there, there's a, a thing this can easily brush against that I want to disavow, which is the idea that these people, well, they're simpler, but they're richer in spirit, or, right. you know, that kind of nonsense, which is really just kind of a reverse racism, and it makes us feel better. Right. That it's, right. It's, you know, right. we can feel reassured because, yeah, they don't have anything, but they're closer to the earth. They're more spiritual. Right. Now, right. poverty just sucks. Cut it out. <laughs> and it just, it just does. There's nobody right. who doesn't want to have cleaner water. Shut up. Right. And, um, right. But there is, uh, 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 at some level, there's a, there's a uh, uh, when somebody's life is genuinely committed and there's a, uh, you know, okay, I met a guy in Lebanon um, who's uh, uh, basically said the five words that the book is ultimately about came out of his mouth. Um, he's an uh, Arab Muslim. I'm not sure if he was Shia or, or Sunni. It didn't come up. And um, he lost everything in the 2006 conflict with Israel, which he had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. He's not part of Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. He ran a restaurant. Mm -hmm. He's got a restaurant in, in, in Beirut. Uh, and uh, he, everybody used to come into his restaurant. He, he was bragging about how everybody came in Christian. It didn't matter. Right. Sunni, Shia, it was, it was food. We came in. <laughs> so uh, in the war, um, some rockets landed, he lost his home, he lost his restaurant, he lost everything, every one of his possessions. But his family survived, and that's what mattered. And so now he's rebuilding his life, uh, and uh, he's gone from being the owner of one of the more prosperous restaurants in his part of town to a waiter in another restaurant. And on the weekends, he, he works for a, a, a local microfinance uh, uh, institution, which is how I met him. And I asked him if he was bitter. I asked him if, if there was a... a uh, I mean, geez, you know, if somebody blows up my house, somebody blows up my business, I'm bitter, I'm ticked. You lose your shit. You're yes. losing your stuff. And yeah. You, right, right, I, right, I'm, right. I'm somewhat like the guy in Cleveland going, this is the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> somebody blew up my house, you know. Right, right. So I asked, right. are you bitter? And he looked at me and he said, in all sincerity, he wasn't putting on a show for me. He struggled with it a little bit. And I could see he was fighting it. But he looked at me and he, 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 he said, uh, 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 as long as I have my God, and he didn't say Allah, he was trying to communicate a kind of a similar God thing for everybody. He pointed at his own heart when he said that, he didn't point at the sky. Oh boy. As long as I have uh, my God and, and my love, uh, I don't care about anything like that. And then uh, the five words that I know that I'll remember for as long as I live, he looked at me and he said, you love more, you win. And those five words, you love more, you win. I want to have just pasted on everything in the world. This guy lost everything and his response to it was that, you love more, you win. He emphasized it, second, said it a second time. And that's how he was trying to live his life mm -hmm. in the wake of having lost everything. And the guy lives in frickin' Beirut. I mean, this didn't come out of the mouth of somebody living comfortably in Colorado Springs or, or you know, this isn't something that came out of, 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 of San Francisco and some, you know, touchy-feely yoga thing. This didn't come out of, this came out of frickin' Beirut. Right. This is a guy who is, is, is struggling to take care of his kids and his family and right. working his butt off every single day. And, and just a humble guy whose name I actually uh, uh, change in the book and, and don't want to mention here for reasons about his privacy. Okay. Um, uh, but this is a guy who is just, it, it's the real deal. And he knows that in his heart from experience in a way that I sincerely doubt there's a person in Southern California who, who gets it as thoroughly and lives it the way that this guy does. Mm -hmm. And That's not to say that it's not possible. No, to do it's certainly that. possible. It's because I, th I think that uh, that uh, and you know what that was an unfair thing I said. There I'm, are people doing work all over the city. Right. That was a completely unfair. No, thing but I the said. thing is that 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 it's it's so easy. Like that statement right there mm -hmm. is so easy to grab that cynicism that mm -hmm. we get here yeah. that disconnects us from all of that. Yeah. And I totally understand where you're coming from yeah. with that, yeah. um, because we've got to be careful that. I know I have to be careful. I've got to be careful not to put everybody into a room. Yeah. To know that there is no room. That you know, when when this this thing happened in Fukushima, uh, you know the the um, 
yeah, the, the, the nuclear plant oh, the, happened. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the nuclear plant. You know, all that happening. And and I've been to Japan, and and like, oh my God, Japan. And then you go, wait, what a minute, what? The radioactivity is coming over the ocean toward me, and to go, we are all one with that. And one one person, you know, has that success. And then we all have that success. But I get it. I get that that the idea of like we don't understand because. But it goes back to you being careful about the noble noble savages thing as well, because that you know it is that fine line. Mm -hmm. Where we want to draw those lines, mm -hmm. and 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 to draw those lines shuts us out from having those experiences. Mm -hmm. But I get it. I mean, I've got the guy who lives right below me. Um, he's a yogi, mm -hmm. and he always wears the same white things, and he goes out and he prays, uh -huh. and he and then he plays this fucking rock music that just kills <laughs> me. It's like, what? Wow, that's so awesome! But it's the idea of. He lived, uh, this, this Lebanese man lives his life to give, live, lives his life, period. In his living his life, he's giving us the opportunity to look at that and go, ah, mm -hmm. that's an example of what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to be mindful of those moments when I'm not of that oneness. Mm -hmm. You love more, you win. Like mm -hmm. that idea to, mm -hmm. to just look at somebody and to go, Mm -hmm. to, to look at somebody and go, oh yeah, you're you're me, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. you're me. I'm you. Yeah, yeah. It, what, what's what? And I'm sorry. That's why in in the book when you kept going, like saying that's my dad or my mm -hmm. mom does the same thing where mm -hmm. she's dealing with you know box when she's nervous and all that sort of stuff. Like like to know that we're all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the and the, the kids that are grabbing your legs, oh, yeah. you know that story yeah. there, and to go, that's it right there. The idea that these kids are kids, and yeah. they're like, who's this white human? What happened to him? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, <laughs> what tragedy befell him? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How did all the color drain out of him? Yeah. But I'm sorry, I was cutting yeah. you off. We just no, no, you're exactly right. It actually, what I said a second ago was very unfair to Southern California and mm -hmm. to Westerners and everything. And, but that's the thing. It's it's. I'm still struggling with the amount of um, <clears throat> how to apply everything that I saw back into my own life and integrate it. The book, to a certain extent, you know, writing is always almost like a form of counseling. You're you're working through the thing. You go out, you live your life. You you if, particularly if you're doing memoir, um, which is very specific. You know, it's not even like synthesizing it into fiction, um, and and then trying to figure out, okay, so what did this mean? What did this? How do I process this? Right. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, the, 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 the way to process, I think, what this guy said in Lebanon is not to say that it's different, but to say, how do I use that? How do I live that? How right. do I, you know? Just, just to say that that's available in the world to go. And it's to available say, here. It's, it's right, available, right, yeah. Right, it's not yeah. how, it, the, the, I understand your question. I understand the question, how do I do that? How do I live that? But it's also the idea of someone is living that, someone is doing yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. And just to have that as an example, mm -hmm. it's, it, it, for me, it, the example is the lesson. The example is the opportunity. Mm -hmm. The example is actually my path to owning that. Mm -hmm. It's like I look at that and I go, that's the model. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Not only can I do that, but I do do that. And when can I start doing that? Now. Right mm -hmm. now. Right mm -hmm. the fuck now. And it's the idea of if you want an epiphany, you've had it. You've had it, you know, that idea of, I've said it, I want it, uh -huh. I have it, that's uh -huh. it. And uh -huh. the epiphany is merely the top of the uh -huh. glacier, I'm uh -huh. sorry, the top of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And it's everything else that goes underneath that, and you go, boom, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've got to give ourselves permission to be in process. And what you're doing right now is you are in process of going, how do I process mm -hmm. all of these things? Mm -hmm. Not realizing that you never asked that question about anything else. Mm -hmm. You're asking it now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like as you were going through stand-up, you weren't going, how do I use this in my life? You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're just going, I'm living my life. Mm -hmm. And knowing full well that everything that, you're, everything that you're experiencing right now, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Spoken like someone who has spent a lot of time in the moment. Yes, clearly, yeah. clearly, but yeah. it's also I've spoken a lot of time about the idea of looking at all the times that I didn't spend in the moment, mm -hmm. that I wasn't in that moment, and to go, oh, I just wasn't in the fucking moment yeah. at that time, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. But you also, but you, like the idea, like the pictures that you have in the book, and um, and the and the way that you you describe walking out and taking a look at all these things that are going on, the the of oh, the signs that you describe mm -hmm. that walking out and uh, uh, the electricity, uh, oh yeah, you yeah. know, to like those signs and looking at it going, 
That's, that's, that's called living your life. Mm -hmm. That's called being present to the moment mm -hmm. of looking at those things. And, and you don't have to be in a foreign country mm -hmm. to do that. That's true. It helps. It makes it a lot easier. Well, yeah. it reminds you that you're present, yeah. whereas you're always present no matter what. You walk into my apartment and you go, oh, this is a lovely apartment. A lot going mm -hmm. on here. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but you know what? The same thing's going on in your apartment, mm -hmm. you know. Well, it's interesting because once we start, once we develop a model for the reality we're seeing, then we stop seeing that reality. We just start comparing it to our model and deciding whether how it fits. When I, you're talking about walking into the, the apartment, I processed your place and, 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 and thought, it's a lot like a Chicago apartment. Because right. it's probably built in roughly the same era as a lot of stuff on the north side. And I'm sure that the moment that I'd said that, I pigeonholed it and I probably see it less clearly now right. than I did when I first walked right, in. Right, right. We, we wash it in yeah. that. But I'm going to go back to your book again. The idea that you are dealing with each per, mm -hmm. each person is going through their, mm -hmm. each person is going through um, a similar mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. and the experience is getting microfinancing. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a similar experience, mm -hmm. but that's where it ends. Mm -hmm. Everything else in that moment is them being specifically living in their lives. So you can go, all these people are getting loans, but you know mm -hmm. what? Yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah, that's true. I tried really hard in writing it actually, and in thinking about it even while I was there, I tried really hard not to see people in terms of, and I didn't always succeed, I don't pretend that I did. But I tried to see people without thinking very hard. Look them in the eye, just be present with them, same way I'm sitting there with you. Right. Uh, and not, and try as hard as I could at least not to be thinking of, you know, their religion or, or, or the nationality or any of that other Oh my God, you know, but stuff. also looking at somebody and being, I mean, that one line that you had about, you know, you're with, you're with a group of guys and going, I could be sitting here and these, all, these could be all murderers. Oh, yeah, in, in Rwanda, yeah. They actually, in Rwanda, you're sitting there and they could be all murderers. Yeah, and the much, atrocities that, that, yeah. that um, Yvonne had, uh, Yvonne, right? Yeah, Yvonne, um, yeah. You know, that, like looking at her and going, I need to be present with you and not to be, uh, right. I need to be present with you and not to wonder how come you survived that mm -hmm. genocide mm -hmm. and all that and go, okay, you're, I'm listening to you right now, I'm paying attention to you right now, you know what I mean? Rwanda was a struggle for that because, I mean, it has, the, the history is so fresh and so horrifying. Um, and by the way, if anybody's listening to this and, and is maybe in school and maybe you don't, uh, aren't familiar with it, for somebody who is, uh, a, you know, uh, Dave and I are both in our mid-20s, so of course we remember this. <laughs> but, um, right. You know, it, 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 it is long enough ago. It's seven. It's what is eighteen years, nineteen ninety four. Mm -hmm. So eighteen years ago, uh, uh, which doesn't seem like long to me, but um, you know, they had a three month period in which ballpark number about a million people were killed, a million mostly people. by hand, right? In a country by hand, by hand mostly, yeah, right. with machetes, right? In a country that uh, you know had a population, you know, it, it would be comparable to Manhattan having uh, three 9-11s a day for three months. Okay, it's Man, just right, level right, of, right, it's right. Just in terms of the death toll. But look at all that energy that he's also expended in that as well. It's insane oh my to God. even think about, you know, it, it's, it's just beyond comprehension what happened there. And so the, the country is still, you know, clearly in the wake of that. Uh, and so that's a place where it was absolutely the most challenging place to be in the moment, right. by far, that I've ever been in my life, probably. But the lesson that you took away from that was very interesting. It was what that, you said to me, it, what you said you to know. me, as if, as if you're reading the book to me. Mm -hmm. um, what that book, in that book, what, what uh, in, your, in your book, um, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Oh, you were saying, how do these people live their life? What's going on? How is it they're, mm -hmm. they're able to do this? And you're going, oh, they are right now, they're talking business, so they're moving forward. That woman is living her mm -hmm. life, so she's moving forward. That person right. is moving forward. So they're all in, if you want to say, they're all in recovery. Yeah. But what they're also doing is they're using the experience that they're having. They're just keep moving on. They're yes-anding the fuck out of that. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. You know, that phrase, I love that phrase. That happened. So when they go, that happened, it's like, okay, I can either do this. I can go, oh my God, LeBron James is wearing a different shirt. Or I can say, that happened. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Where we go I'm going to abandon, yeah. surrender the LeBron James thing. But it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Mm -hmm. and, um, and to look at everybody and going, we're all trying to fucking make it. We're all trying to make it another day. We're all just trying to do that. It was a, that, that was a place where um, I could and never... And Bosnia, too, right? Well, sure, uh, Bosnia. Well, a lot, the thing is, I want, if you look at the book, a lot of the places that I went to are places that have recovered from recent wars. Right. Um, Bosnia, Cambodia. Did you go to Nicar Peru. Nicaragua? I, I went to Nicaragua later. Right. Um, I was there in February. It didn't make it but into the book. But it's also Poland, too. You know, I know well, that that's, that's not the, in the book, Yeah, too. Poland is not quite as recent, but Poland went through it. But the thing is, if you spin the globe, 
there aren't that many places that haven't been through some horrendous war. Right. I actually remember thinking at one point, geez, did I choose these countries because I'm trying to go to war zones? <laughs> no, not really. Right. It's just there's been a lot of conflict. Human beings are really, really good at blowing each other up. And, you, and you're dealing with, with relatively fresh conflicts within the past, let's say, 80 years. Oh, well, that would be half the right. world. I mean, right. where hasn't had it? I mean, Australia hasn't had a, you know, but, but other than that, where haven't we, you know, uh, fertilized the ground with our own blood? Right. You know, we've, we're pretty good at that. I yeah. mean, look, look at, just, but the thing is, there's also some hope in that. If we, if we just look back at the last 50 or 60 years, I mean, in our lifetimes, just let's talk about our lifetimes. I'm 49 years old. Mm -hmm. So in the last 50 years, you know, uh, South America in the 1970s was filled with brutal dictatorships right. that administered their power to a near genocidal level. Certainly in Argentina, Chile, there were mass killings. Right. Now that's gone, they're democracies, and there's actually a South American Union. Look at Central America, where you had genocide in the 1980s in Guatemala, you had war in Nicaragua, you had, I mean, that the whole area uh, was, you know, Pretty bad. And now, you know, you can go to Nicaragua and have a great time. It's right. like Costa Rica right. was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, it's an right. amazing place right. to visit. Well, you, oh, so you're Vietnam, you're Vietnam. I don't know if you're getting to that. Yeah, Vietnam, I was, Cambodia, yeah, Laos, I was like take, all yeah, that yeah, stuff Southeast too. Asia. Look at, I mean, you can go around the planet. Or and, if you want to go back even further, you just mm -hmm. got to go back mm -hmm. to Japan mm -hmm. and China mm -hmm. and, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the Philippines and all that. But, but I'm saying ahead. it's just in our lifetimes. There are now places in the world that where uh, uh, the idea of it descending into anything comparable to what we've already seen in our own lives, I mean, they're not going back. Central America is not going to be descending back into that kind of, no. of, of chaos, probably. And South America probably isn't. And, you know, Europe's not going to go back to World War II. Mm -hmm. And you can actually look around the planet, and there are still a couple of dozen places, uh, you know, and we all know the you know, Eastern Congo, and, and I don't have any great desire to be brought into Iraq at the moment or right. whatever. But the planet's actually getting safer. As communications expand, and as, I mean, look, anybody in the world with a laptop and internet access can hear my voice right now. You can right. listen to this podcast. Right. We have Skype. We can talk to people all over the world. The, the way the technology is changing the way that, the, the, that we communicate with each other, it is getting increasingly hard with each generation for people to see each other as fundamentally different. Oh, my God, right. And what <laughs> right. I find most exciting, and I get, I get into this toward the end of the book, is that there is a generation right now of young people who uh, are the first generation in human history to grow up expecting that level of interconnection with no memory whatsoever of a world that wasn't like that. Right. And they're 15, they're 16, they're 17, they're 18. Nobody at that age right now is in political power yet. <clears throat> in 20 or 30 years, maybe 30, 40 years, virtually the entire world, the corporations, the governments, everybody, it's all going to be run by people who grew up with an expectation of global interconnection right. that didn't exist when we were kids and right. literally know no other world. Now, I think that's a, that has potential for a, there's a, a real genuine possible fundamental change in worldview. Mm -hmm. We don't fear the Soviets anymore. No. We, don't, we fear the Chinese a little, but not as bad as it, was, it used to be. You know, there is a, a, we are learning everywhere in the world to start seeing other people as other people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when was the last time we actually had a land war where there was an invasion where, you know, war for millennia was, I'm on this side of the line, you're on that side of the line, I want your shit, and I'm going to go over and I'm going to take your shit. And that was how war was done, right? right. When, the last time that happened? I mean, when, well, uh, you look at what's happening today, just yeah. today. Mm -hmm. The fact that, that there's a, well, there, there, there might be a truce going on, we're talking about that, but the fact that Israel may invade land troops, mm -hmm. come in to Gaza, and that's a huge deal. The fact that they may put boots on the ground in Gaza as opposed to, shout, you know, doing, they're going old school mm -hmm. on them. So, but you're, you're absolutely there's, right. There's a global expectation that that shit doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. And that is fundamentally different. Right. I mean, you know, and if you want to look at like old school land invasions, I mean, when Iraq invaded Iran in, I think it was 1980, I think that's the last major, maybe there's some other ones. Um, and we certainly, you know, went into Iraq, uh, you know, airlifted and all that. But I'm talking about that thing where there's the old school, two countries bordering each mm -hmm. other. I'm going into your, uh, your and, and taking your land. It just doesn't happen anymore. No. It sort of has subsided. Right. And and there's a lot of other things. We can go on and on. There's a book uh, a guy named Steven Pinker wrote. Um, he's a cognitive scientist at, at Harvard, a brilliant guy, uh, called The Better Angels of Our Nature, which gets into the reasons to realize that humankind on both a personal level, a societal level, and a global level 
uh, is really becoming much more peaceful. Right. And so, you know, what I'm actually hoping to do with my book, to be honest with you, is like I'm hoping this is my little tiny contribution that that like people reading this book, yeah, yeah, microfinance and all that, but you love more, you win. Right. You you you. <laughs> that's what the book is for. Right. That's what it's about. If you can read the lives of people in Lebanon and in uh, Bosnia and in places that are foreign, in air quotes, and uh, uh, and see that well, they're just trying to feed their kids too. Right. And you know, I I we 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 win. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Okay, good. If we were going to do a scene, I'd say, and scene. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really, it's like, wow, wow, we just had a transformation at that moment, and we're about to, to enter another phase. Um, I'm going to stop there, and I just want to say, I really, I, I'm in the middle of uh, the International Bank of Bob. Um, it's just such an intriguing story. It's, 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 but it's not necessarily a feel-good story, but it's this thing like we're all one on this. And I just, I gotta say, I'm just really enjoying the book. Oh, thank you. And I'm really excited for you. And uh, and in uh, in my little corner of the universe, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's really been great. You know, thanks for having me. It's great, great seeing you. You know, it's, we, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I should write a book, and we should do this more often. We, I know, we should. I know. We should. We got to hang. Man. I know. I know. Let's do that. We'll do yeah. that. We'll do that. Thank you. Thank you, Jen Luca, for helping us with that too. All right, great. Today's episode was sponsored by Fresh Balls, deodorant for your balls. For more information, go to www.freshballs.com. So fresh, so dry. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast were brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.